Greetings, Darklings, from across the interweb. It is once again I, the Duchess, Precious Ken, for a very special edition of the Sounds and Shadows podcast. I have an amazing guest that will blow your mind with their awesomeness. Uh, but before I introduce them, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to a couple things going on. Number one, I am rocking my Cemetery Confessions t-shirt. Uh, from the wonderful podcast, our friend Danny, that does Cemetery Confessions, uh, that is totally cool. And we had a couple of cool new releases that just came out. Uh, Silver Walks today uh, had the new Inconsequence single that dropped with a Leather Strip remix, a Psionic remix. I tell you what, this is one of those albums when the whole thing, I mean, several of the singles have come out now, I think like three, but this album is going to be a game changer. It's just full of, he brought in so many uh, cool guest artists to work on it. And it, it's just a jam. It just, one of those take you out of your head albums. So everybody be on the lookout for that. Um, I also have a review that I'm going to have coming out for Stoneburner. Um, and the other big announcement is Kill Shelter. Uh, just uh, put for pre-release their new album, Asylum, and it is, wow. And the first single out on it, it's kind of like their uh, first album, Damage, where it's a lot of different vocalists uh, coming in for it, but this first one is Agent Sidegrinder. So that, of course, is really cool. It's a very different, like, single, but it has that, like, kill shelter bass tone that is very distinctive to me and so I was glad to kind of hear that come back as well. Now that that is out of the way, I am very excited. I got to talk briefly with Jason Corbett of Actors uh, when I came out to see them play in Detroit, but he had a show going. He had a lot of stuff going on and I got pretty saucy that night. So I'm so glad that I got to have him back so that we can have a conversation about the tour and everything else. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back, yeah. And great to see you in Detroit. It was and great to see you. As you, as you say, say, said that, I, w I was picturing seeing you by, kind of like right in the merch area there, our last kind of exchange of words. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm gonna bat an eyelash and, uh, and I'll be back at home and we'll be doing this interview just like how we, promised each other and it's crazy how time flies <laughs> it was uh it was funny i remember i like took like a selfie video of us right at the end there and then when i watched i'm like oh man ken you were a shit show why don't you just you just save that for your personal archive poor jason <laughs> is sitting there like ken great to see you. i'm like this fucking guy right here let me tell you is a you're okay i was a mess that was funny um so you're back home, uh, returned after another lengthy tour and being out on the road and seeing everybody and playing all over. Tell me about what some of the, the big highlights and exciting uh, news from the road, because you had a change in lineup for this one. You had the new album that you were out supporting. There were a lot of really fun, intriguing things happening on this tour. Well, the tour was supposed to happened in some iteration of of what it was for two years uh, it was kind of a continuation of kind of of where we had left off before the pandemic and it was 
pretty emotional and kind of it felt like we were venturing into unknown territory a little bit get going on the tour and that show that we played where we saw you that was our first show right I, yeah and um and we played 30 shows on that tour and i'll tell you it it's like if i just think about it it feels like about five that's how fast it went wow and the best way to describe it for me is was culture shock it was amazing to be out doing what we had done before but two things that happened we as a band or as people myself got used to the idea of being kind of a bit of a shut-in right we weren't going out we weren't really playing we weren't rehearsing like I wasn't seeing very many people in my day-to-day um just like one or two people kind of like at the studio at one time and then to go from that to touring again but not only touring like how where we left off the crowds were all twice the size of before the pandemic right and that really um really affected me emotionally emotionally and to to give out the same amount of energy sorry my phone gave me a notice to give out the same amount of energy every night it felt like um you you try and amp up for how many people are in the room it feels like you know like intimate shows are intimate and you you go for it but then when there's a few hundred people and then another hundred people it's like and then you just you're you're just like kind of giving everything you've got and then by the end of the tour we kind of had to back away from being in the audience with the people after the show and we would kind of wait it out a little bit because it was so taxing and there was so much energy going out and it was all so welcomed like the crowds and the fans and everything but it 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 was a bit of a different uh experience for me and i loved it um it was a great time. It flew by and I, I, the whole band's already like, when can we go? When can we go back? And the good thing is we have another, you know, probably 50 shows before the end of the year. Yeah. I, I think when you say that too, that's something that always hits me when you say, oh, well, we just did 30 shows and it went by in the blink of an eye. And, and I have to think for myself, if I did 30 shows, well, I'd be dead. Um, but you guys to me have really made that a, a thing again where I think a lot of your success comes from your connection with your audience live and you played so much um you know leading up to acts of worship around the world but just going from venue to venue and like you said coming out afterwards saying hello to everybody signing a thing taking a picture and and that's a big part of to me your personality as a band and something that's changed. Um, you know, I've talked right. about this on a few of the recent podcasts of, you know, like I did with Christian Death or something, the right. aloof rock star is, I, I think, a thing of the past. I and Nobody, I mean, I think some people maybe to a level pull it off, but I think nowadays people are more interested in having a connection with someone than having the idea of, uh, you know, David Bowie, Diamond Dogs kind of bigger than right. person you wouldn't see or know. And, right. and so to hear you say that and go out into the world and, and play all these shows, um, I, I have to think like that has to take a toll and tax on you though, just from 
ramping up and doing it every night. Um, right. So no, I, I imagine it has to feel good to a point to be home, but I don't know, like, have you gotten to the point where being on the road is a norm for your life at this juncture? Um, well, you know, there's, I'm not 25 years old anymore. So there's a, there's a component to it that sure. kind of I didn't see happening, especially like, you know, with social media, and we are seeing really up close the death of so many of our pop idols and everything from the 80s and 90s. And, and, you know, I think for the first time, like, you know, to see like David Bowie, uh, you know, even in the last couple of days, like, you know, right, it's, it's so heavy. And it's, it, it time is so it like, your time on the earth is so finite. And I feel like, well, how many more years can I do this for? Like, or how many do I want to do it for And so there's this element of like this almost like a obsessive compulsive element to where it's like I have to get out there I have to meet as many people I have to share this with as many people yeah. and we I told our agent um our booking agent I said well we don't want any days off um and then the first 20 days of the tour I I do all the driving so you know the first 20 days of the tour we didn't have one day off so I would drive we would play we would go to bed, drive, play, drive, play. We did that 20 days in a row. And then um, I was, uh, I, I got to a point in the tour where I was so sick that I was on stage in Toronto and, and literally I've watched footage from it and I hit it well, but by the second song in, I thought I'm, I'm going to pass out. I was seeing like these stars. I was just so exhausted. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even know that or think about that, you know, that you're doing it all the driving yourself, that it's not kind of a doing it in cycles because to me, yeah, even being three or four hours on the road, I need like a two hour nap afterwards just to sure. get balanced and doing that 20 days in a row, that just sounds intense. <laughs> I, there's a side of me that's like, oh, you should be able to do that easily. But also I have to remember our set length is twice as long as what it was in 2018. Right. We used, to play, we used to play like eight or nine songs on tour before. Yeah. And we play now like 15 or 16 songs a night. So it's a solid show. And like, we don't, we don't just call it in. Like every show is do or die for me. Yeah. And, and I had to kind of in Toronto, I had to temper my expectation of what I was physically capable of doing. Now, um, I had test. I, I was testing and testing for my for COVID, mm -hmm. and I was testing because all through Texas I was so sick. I was just bringing, um, you know, medicine on stage with me and like drinking, you know, Nyquil and date or Dayquil and stuff. And I was not faring well physically before or after the shows. Luckily, my sinuses and my throat. I was able to sing. Yeah, but I tested uh, negative for COVID. I was testing like every other day <laughs> and I tested negative the whole time until I got home and then I tested positive, but I was already better. And I, I said to myself like, Oh yeah, I had, I had fucking COVID the whole, almost the whole tour. So I was driving, singing every night. Um, 
and I was, I was sick and I didn't know uh, because I tested negative, tested negative, tested negative. And um, yeah, it was kind of crazy. I, so, I think that's another part. Yeah. Like as bands are starting to now, things are opening up again, people are getting back on tour and you got, but it's still, it's hanging over us still, you know, because it is still sure. scary. It's still very real and happening. And beyond that, numbers are starting to look better and and do better but nobody is ready to go back there you know nobody right. is ready to take our foot off the gas and want to all of a sudden you know stop taking precautions and being careful and i remember when we talked that night you know you were still wearing a mask and everything when you were going to see everybody and keeping distance which was very smart you know because you had that whole tour ahead of you and everything still yeah. and i i think that is something that bands are going to have to start thinking about a lot while wanting to form this connection and be close to their fans but at the same time protect themselves and their fans and right. the fans that bought a ticket for five shows from now that you don't sure. want to get in the spot like you're talking about where you make yourself unable to perform and, and be there for your fans that bought tickets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a lot of people I talk to seem to not care about COVID. Um, and then some people were doubled up on the masks, but I'd sure. say like show per show, the percentage of masks were, were slim to none at a lot at most of the places. Now, the other thing was, um, oh, what was my point about the COVID? Um, a lot of people had expressed to me that it was essentially their first show back right. to, to go see a show. And there was a lot of people who expressed a bit of like, it was like cathartic having our record over the, over the pandemic. And, and that to me was really touching. And I think, you know, I think, when an audience, when your audience connects to your music, I don't think that's rare. I think people can find solace and comfort in the music that they, that speaks to them. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't go into my head. I take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but just to know that the music that we do did connect to people and it did help them. Like it in turn, like the music helped us. Like if we didn't have something to look forward to, if we didn't have the music, like, it would have been a really bleak time for me too, right? Yeah. So I, I do want to follow up on that a little bit um, because one of the things that you brought up is from when you were doing that first enormous tour that you went on that went all over the world versus this one, mm -hmm. the actors has become a different thing to different people between the two. I mean, the first album did very well, but, but at this point, you guys had, you'd leveled up. And going out on, on a tour where you were seeing, like you said, bigger shows, more rabid fans and the energy, what was that like for you? Because I remember talking to you and how excited it meant to you um, on the first album and seeing the success of it and what that meant. But this has got to have hit another plane. And, and what does that feel like for you as an artist, especially kind of how you've told me before, this wasn't something where you had this success when you were 21. You know what I mean? And it just, right. this happened when you were at a time you were, I'm not sure if this is ever going to happen. And then, yeah, it, absolutely. you know, and what is that, what did that feel like 
to come back in that leveled up to capacity and play some of those really big, enormous shows with that many people out there just excited and touched by your music? Well, the first thing that I really focused on was uh, I want to make sure that the follow-up to It Will Come To You, which was Acts of Worship, I really want to make sure that it, it could retain the honesty that the first record had. So I wasn't pandering to anyone or the label or to a preconceived notion of what we were about. I just followed through with my gut on what I wanted to do with the band. Yeah. But I did, I really wanted people to like it because I didn't want people, I didn't want to be like, I don't get it. Why they like our first album and not our second. Right. You know, because you have in your mind this kind of old, old school frame of mind where it's like, oh, you have your whole life to write your first record and then the second record you have to write in two months because you're on tour. And I think, yeah, if, if you're a young band and, you know, you're signed to a major label, but Actors is just another re reiteration of what I've been doing my whole life to, to yeah. some degree, right? It's just, it's just constantly evolving and Actors is where it all kind of came together for me as an artist. So the one thing I was really happy about was how much people embraced the new album. And it was interesting because some cities, it felt like some of the older songs were more welcomed. And then some of the, and then in other cities, the newer songs, but across the board, it just felt like people really accept both albums. And to me, I started to look at actors as, oh yeah, it's not whether, oh, can we do, redo the success of that record. I see us as like, my goal was always like, oh, I think we'll be close to where I think the band could grow to by album three or four and just keep doing the music because I'm at my studio here. Um, the ideas are endless in whichever direction we want to go. The band loves each other. The sky's the limit. It's just a matter of staying healthy and it's time, right? Like, and um, it was just, I was genuinely shocked at how, enthusiastic people were when we played New York mm -hmm. at the end of our show because that was a couple shows into the tour and we were on stage and it was funny because a lot of the clubs that we had played before which I was telling Kendall which we'll get into more of Kendall later but I was like oh wait till you get here this place is really big it's ki it's killer it's you know and then we would go and I'd be like huh I thought this place was bigger because <laughs> like They'd, they'd be it'd be a sold out show but i'm like oh i guess we're gonna play somewhere bigger which was like unbelievable to me but in new york uh at the end of our set people were cheering and this happened this happened a lot was there was cheering but then there was like this kind of screaming going on not like hysterical but like just really enthusiastic like thank you you know but then it got to a volume i hadn't experienced before and it first happened in New York, where it got to that, where I was like, holy shit, that was loud. And I closed my eyes while, right before I was ready to walk off stage at the end of the show, I closed my eyes. And I thought, okay, Jay, enjoy this because you, you couldn't do this for a couple of years. And I, I welled up and I started bawling. And I, like, I didn't show the crowd that. I just, yeah. I kind of kept my eyes closed and I turned around and then I walked into the backstage and I was like, oh my God, like, just it just because you work so hard to have these moments and sometimes it can like it was it was years 
to get back to a moment like that and for it to exceed your expectations on an emotional level and a give and take with the audience, it was, um, it was a very powerful experience for me. I, I can imagine. And, and that's kind of where I was coming with the question is kind of like I said before, I do think of you as, you know, this new school idea of the, the rock star out there where you, you give a shit about the people that you're making a connection with that are buying your music and listening to it. You know, it, it isn't a, a game or something you play, you know, you do. And so I picture when you're out there and having those moments, it does, it, it hits you. And maybe, and maybe that is what makes it possible to do 30 shows like that. You know, even when you're not feeling well and, and feeling juiced through it is you do gain energy from the people that are coming out to see you and do that. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to jump next into something you started hint on is you had a new piece of the puzzle out here. I mean, with you in, in the album and, and around, but out on the road is a different animal. When you get to know somebody out on the road. Yeah. Um, and Kendall, who I got to meet in Detroit and is just a wonderful, lovely, great energy person. And tell me a little bit about um, some of the fun and what it was like to have her out on the road and what role maybe she slid into as part of the family and in addition to her contribution as a musician. Well, uh, I, I, I kind of use the analogy of, um, and I, I use this when I w w used to manage restaurants and serve tables, is that once you've been through the shit with someone, Yes. You have that shared experience and then you have a bond and you have a trust. And so with Kendall, no matter what, how I would explain tour to her and to, because she really hadn't toured before. Mm -hmm. And especially with, within the dynamic of actors, like I could explain to her all I want, like, Oh, you know, I've got your back. Um, we're a family on the road and you know, you could say whatever you want, but until you experience it, you know, you've gone through boot camp, but now you're going to war. And it's, it's a bad it's analogy. Different but in the trenches with bullets yeah. flying over your head. But no, you're, you're right. I mean, you, it is a different, it's kind of like the difference between practice and a game, you know? Yeah, she said, oh, touring's like the amazing race. I'm like, yeah, 100%. Like, and uh, by the end of the second leg of the tour, it's like we had found such a flow. She's very kind. Um, thoughtful, compassionate, a hell of a player and musician with a great ear and a great attitude. Um, she was complaining about being in a bad mood one day, but she couldn't stop kind of giggling about it. I was like, well, if that's your bad mood, then, <laughs> then we're doing okay here. But her and Shannon are close. Um, and then her and Adam are close because they kind of have they would get up and go for a run together and work out at the at the gyms at the hotels together whereas Chan likes to sleep in I like to sleep in because we're like you know Adam and Kendall will be able to like catch a 10 minute nap in the back of the van or something whereas I'm always driving Shan's always the co-pilot Shannon is our tour manager for all intents and purposes right yeah. and she works really hard and she's a big part of our success of how we're able to tour and do what we do and um kendall just really just fit in like and i just 
love the I love the energy that she brings to the band, and I love how Shannon and her complement each other as well. Their energies are a little different, and it works really well. And Adam's got a certain way about him, and it, it to me, it, my mom saw me play a few years ago, and a bunch of my friends were at the show, and she said to me because I don't see her that often, and she said, you know, I feel a lot more relaxed, more comfortable knowing that you have a family uh, through music and it's very apparent that you're loved by your band and your friends. And, and th that I found really touching and I r really held that close because I feel that with the band, like I created the family, you know, I, I feel like I was like, okay, you and you, and like create this family that feels really Getting comfortable. Getting to choose your family in this. Yeah. 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 It's, and I'm just really, you know, we came back from this tour and it was, it was, it, it was not easy. There was a lot of miles covered, yeah. um, but everyone in the band's like, let's go, you know, can't wait till the fall till we're in the UK, till we're in Europe, till we're back in the States. Like Kendall was like, I literally can't wait to go back on tour. I loved it. And I'm like, well, hold tight because there's, a, <laughs> there's about double that many shows coming. So, and that's just this year. There's going to be a whole other record and, you know, it's going to be a good time. Now, when you were sitting there talking about, you know, the family, and especially when you're talking about your mom with it, now you had me getting overclumped. I had to, <laughs> I was very emotional. All right. Um, so no, that, that was wonderful. And I'll tell you, I had a couple moments at the Detroit show where I looked over and saw a, one thing for me was the change in confidence from Shannon, from previous shows and tours I saw where she's opening up the tour that night in Detroit. That was a different creature up there in terms of just how she would glow, you know, from yeah. out on the stage. But the other part of that I was really picking up on is the looks back and forth between Kendall and Shannon. There was an in-sync you know, kind of secret language they had going on that I felt was happening there from right the first song, the first note when they went to go hit. <laughs> well, that, that happens behind my back. So I, I, I didn't did. know that was you happening. You were in front of them and this was happening. But, and I think that was part of the joke. They, the smile was happening between, behind your back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but no, it, it really was. And that was a really, really cool part of it when I kind of saw that. And I think it did. It, I mean, there's a lot of things to add in something extra to the sound, you know, like you said, new songs, new albums, so on and so forth. But for me, that was another part of it was seeing the two of them kind of have this, I don't know, different energy to your sound. So yeah, very cool. Um, and you know, that whole thing, it was like, I knew, like, I just knew seeing those two together mm -hmm. before, like, before um, Kendall was on board, I knew that there was just a real, like, Shannon doesn't just befriend anyone and, you know, she's, she's a little picky with who she spends her time with. Yeah. And with Kendall, I was waiting, I'm like, when's the other shoe going to drop? And, you know, she's going to, like not work out or she's going to want to quit or I, there's something about her I, that I just can't stand or and there's there's nothing but good things and it just makes me so happy I think it I think it 
it helps Shannon feel stronger, Adam, myself. I think we, we all just, especially by the end of the tour, it was like, it's like, un, it's like an unstoppable love, you know? Again, that is something that I associate with actors and I think is an important part of you guys is whether you want to talk about, I don't know, going back to the Beatles or the Stones or something like that, but part of what people love about music is connecting to a ideal of the band and, and seeing four people or five that really work that way. Also, sometimes people connect to like a Fleetwood Mac shit show of a band, but I, I think in your guys's case, it's just that you can't help but be up on stage and kind of see and feel that energy that I was talking about going on between them. And you say to yourself, like, I want to be a part of that glowing ball of light. Please give me that record, you know? And, and right. I think that is important to, to the entire thing and, and makes a big difference for bands now where a lot of times that change is happening where you a lot of times don't have a drummer, right? It's a drum machine or it's one or two people that are up there or, I mean, that is a new norm for it. And maybe some of that is lost. And I think that's part of what makes you guys feel so bright and powerful and unique, um, even though playing very dark music. Um. <laughs> well, you know, the, I, I sometimes think like, oh, and I've said this before, it's, you know, you're letting people into the back room, like behind the curtain of who we are. And, you know, I sometimes I think, well, what if people don't like me or like they like the music and go like, oh, Jay's silly or like they don't take themselves seriously. We're dead serious about the music, like, but we want to have a good time doing it. And I think, you know, I'm by no means comparing us to Joy Division, but, you know, you hear that, you know, Ian Curtis had a good sense of humor. Yeah. And you think like, oh, he did, you know, or like, you know, like Jeff Buckley seems like he's so serious and, and like, he was like a good sense of humor and, and David Bowie. And, and sure. so I think sometimes I feel like you can go a long way on a certain mystique or a genre, you know, yeah. genre isms. And, and some, and I see that and I think like, you know, I see a band like, like Boy Harsher and I love Boy Harsher. And, and I'm so happy for their success. And then, but then I think like when I see them online, I felt like, oh, they're very reserved. They're very quiet. And I see them uh, uh, doing more online than before it seems like to me, but maybe that was just my uh, perspective of seeing them. But I, I always thought like, oh, why wouldn't they want to be like more vocal <laughs> with people? And I thought, well, maybe that mystique is, is helping the music be successful. And then I thought, well, if that's the case, then I'm in trouble because I'm, you know, we're over engage. We, we love to engage. I can relate uh, being probably the silliest fucking person in goth. Um, that, that seems very likely a giant goth St. Bernard running up, slobbering all over everyone. Um, but no, I, I think that's true for a lot. I've interviewed a lot of bands now and talk to a lot of them. And to be honest, people of this dark scene are generally happy-go-lucky, fun people. I mean, there's some that I have interviewed or that are, no, they're dead serious. I bet if I ever talked to like the Swans or some shit or, right. or 
you know, Andrew Eldritch. No, he dead on means it. Like he is dead serious. Yeah. For the most part, I don't think that's true. I think you write these songs and like you said, you mean it because people are complex and we all go through things that are very real, very dark, very serious. And the song is the way that you get that out. So you don't have to carry it around like a, you know, 200 pound sack behind you everywhere you go and Mm -hmm. wear that dark heaviness on you all the time. The songs are how you can live that. And I think that goes for both writing them and listening to them. I know for me, I find it very cheery sometimes. If I'm feeling depressed, I will put on the swans and say to myself, okay, I have some problems right now, but they aren't the sinking lead weights of failure. They aren't the goddamn slave ship of failure. Wow, that's extra. You know what I feel about already? The sinking lead weights of failure. What that that's a that's a great uh, name for an album. That well, you should, that's a song, a lyric from a song by the Swans uh, called Amazing. Failure, and you'll have to look that one up if you. That's uh, it's a classic. But let me tell you, you and I have never touched a piece of depressing lyrics like the song Failure by the Swans. That's intentional. Right. <laughs> so next up. Um, let's take it in a much lighter direction. Um, you had another very exciting thing come up and we've talked about this before your connection, uh, to the TV show Letterkenny, which I love and is very funny. And now there's a spinoff show called Mm -hmm. Shorzy off of it. Um, that's come out now. Tell me a little bit about how you were involved in that, your piece of it and why that's exciting for you. Well, with these shows, they uh, they license a lot of music from bands, and they're very supportive. And by and by they, I mean like you know Jared Kiso, the show creator, the yeah. star of the shows. Um, he, I've known him for a very long time. Our relationship goes back a long time, and we've remained close friends. Um, so there's just like incidental music here and there that I get the call. It's like Jay, I need this, I need that, and I'll write a piece of music like, you know, in Letterkenny, there's a talent show where they all do some different music. Yeah. Well, I, I wrote, I wrote all the music for each of those type of like, whether it was like the techno band or the indie band, like I, I wrote, recorded it here in this room, sent it off to him. I did like all the music for his Christmas special, uh, sets or kind of guitar kind of stuff. But with, with Shorzy, um, and it happened really quick. It was like right before we went on tour, they needed they needed um, a theme song for the TV show right at the very first episode. Mm-hmm. They come in, it's kind of like sports center, kind of like do 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 like. And so I wrote that piece of music and sent it off uh, before I went on tour. And and then you know when I see the show, boom, it's the first piece of music that you hear on the show. And um, I, I just get a kick out of that. Like it's uh, it's not a full time gig where I'm like you know laboring you know scoring to film like all the episodes i do pieces of music uh, um for certain episodes and certain seasons and uh and it really works out well that way because that way i'm not too uh, busy with that or uh, or or you know it comes at the right times when it's like okay i have time to do that let's do it bang you know on the flip side of that um it's 
actors is getting to the point where between actors and the production work that I do and the writing that I do with yeah. Shannon with Leathers and the situation we have with the label and the, the deals that we have, the deals that we have in place, um, my production work with other artists is probably going to uh, paper down a little. Be a, it's going to be a little less um, just because it makes more sense to focus on kind of what's at my front door with, with, with our own music, um, which is going to be sad because I love working with other people and I will continue to do it, but I'll just have to be really, really like, maybe it's like one or two other albums a year. Um, Panther from Bootblocks comes out here to Vancouver uh, June 14th, and we start work on the new Bootblocks record as well. Now that's really exciting. But, you know, kind of to going back to what you said a while Sorry. ago, you don't know when you're gonna, you know, maybe not want to do this, not want to tour like this and at this level, but you do right now. And so that's part of it. It's not like you can't decide you're going to produce a lot more bands 10 years from now or 50, you know, absolutely. absolutely. Just taking your foot off the gas on that to be prepared for it. But it was very exciting what you said. And of course, if you're going to make time for something, it should be a new boot blacks album. Uh, right. Tell me a little bit about why you're excited for that. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad timing wise it's worked out that we can actually make it happen. And I'm excited that the last record was, um, was good enough that they wanted to work with me again. Um, we're very close, yeah. you know, um, as friends and artistically, there's a lot of trust with each other and we've seen each other play probably a hundred times each, you know, like, so we understand where we're coming from. We understand our references. And I, I think, um, hearing what they've sent me of, of where the album is for, for like the demos and, and kind of where they're at to the beginning of the record, we're going to have a really fantastic record and Panther and I are going to work a lot on, uh, the vocal melodies and the vocals and, and we're going to have the luxury of taking our time with doing it. And um, I think it'll pick up where the last record left off. And I just really want to see them uh, receive, receive the success and attention that they deserve. Uh, live, they're, they're, the, they're one of the only bands where every time like we play, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to watch. You know, like you think after seeing them play a song a hundred times, you'd be like, nah, I'm good. But it's like, I've seen that. I get, yeah. yeah, I just get excited. And uh, I just feel like a part of the, part of the family with them. And I, I feel like as a band actors, are, we're really fortunate to have, you know, good friends like that. And we're going to be touring a bunch of dates together in Europe as well. So almost our whole European tour is going to be with bootlegs. That's amazing. See, and that's another part of it too, is, you know, we talked earlier about kind of the, the family aspect of actors, but I do feel like it's an extended family with boot blacks and, and, the, and that's already something new, unique just to have for a band. But then when you put two bands into that and the connection on it, it's even more so. Um, quick follow-up, did yeah. Allie show you and did you get to play around with uh, her new guitar that Colin made for her yet? She didn't have it with her in Vancouver. Oh, okay. Yeah, they flew out for like one show um, with us here. So okay. I did not see it in person. It looks beautiful in photos. 
Oh yeah, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Um, yeah. So the other exciting thing that you have coming up that I, I want to hear about is, like you said, doing the songwriting and playing uh, for Leathers, who uh, had another single that came out um, recently. And uh, I think we had it for a song day and it's on the singles chart, whether it was, no, that was for, it was on April's. Um, but uh, for the Sounds Shadows Dark Scene singles chart, tell me about what had, is coming up for songwriting wise and when we can expect new Leathers material. Um. The second single will be out shortly. Um, there's a video in the works for that. And um, the album should be released before the year's end. And um, it's just a really cool record that delves deeper into what Shannon does so well with her, with her crystalline vocals and, and infectious melodies. And I think sonically, sonically with actors, there's a certain point where I'm just like, okay, that sounds good. But with leathers, like I want sound, I promised her the moon and I want to deliver. Like it's her songs have to sound better, better. Like they have to sound better than actors to me, sonically somehow, like pop, pop wise, like they need to stand up. Like I want you to put on one of her songs next to anything and be like, oh, that sounds beautiful. And you know, judging from what the reaction is to her singles, like she's released five songs in total since inception. And her Spotify numbers are like already like half of what actors are with like two full lengths and the reanimated release. And, you know, 10 years of trying to promote since PTL. So I, I have a sneaking suspicion people are going to really like the record and be um, really supportive of what she does because she's just so so likable and I love the sound of her voice. It, and like I said, I've listened to it, you know, from seeing multiple shows, you know, through through the years and hearing how her voice has grown in confidence and yeah. really become her own and, and its own distinct pitch and, and tenure, you know, it, it does. And that gets me really excited too with every single. And again, just, I don't know. I love when awesome people put out awesome music because too often these days, the sadder side to that story is true where you hear about something you loved and now it, it has a, a dirty feel to it. And it just, it somehow. yeah, isn't the same thing. It's true. I mean, it is really true. And she is just one of those gloriously bright, sweet, caring people that on top of that makes amazing music that just makes you want to get up and jump around and shake your arms and bless. <laughs> He's great. Yeah. So um, coming up here then, uh, for the end, I always like to hear about mm what you are listening to and inspired to. I mean, who knows? Do you even get a chance when you're, well, I suppose when you're driving around, you must get to listen to something and try, no, it's just all NPR all the time. No, when we're driving, we, we do have a fun game that really passes the time where each one of us will pick two songs or like two songs from an artist and we'll go in a circle 
mixtape. Exactly. Yeah. And one night on one of the longer drives, we were like, got into like this sad, and like we don't tell we're going to play each other until like, okay, your turn. What's next? And then you kind of like, yeah, you mixtape it, right? And um, we went on this tangent of sad songs. And then like, we played uh, Joey from Concrete Blonde, and I just started bawling my eyes out while I was driving. And then we were listening to like Madonna, Oh Father, and like crying. And like, so, We'll lis- we listen to so many different things, um, but uh, yeah, in terms of what I'm listening to now, yeah. kind of leading up to the tour, um, a couple of the re- releases that I really talked a lot about, because since, I've been, since I was on, I didn't listen to much music on tour, like it was like some nostalgia, and then since I've been back, uh, I've been working, uh, I've been working at the studio. Um, which I did want to say, we're just finishing up an album with an artist from Vancouver named Louise Burns. Mm-hmm. And she's on Light Organ Records. And she used to be in a band as a teenager, a young adult, called Lilix, which is signed to Maverick, which was Madonna's label. Ooh, um, okay. Anyways, Louise is insanely talented. It's a co-production. And I'm going to be mixing that over the next week or so. So keep an eye out for the Louise Burns record because it's beautiful. I will um, more R&B tinge, but like, kind of like... I can mess with that. Midnight beach, soft, warm air, coconut, you know. It's beautiful. I um, mean, I might try and, while I listen to it, then grab a, a coconut. Yeah, do it. Various liquids, and we'll just see where it goes. Have some uh, southern comfort in it and what have you. Um, well, some of the music that I really enjoyed... I'm a broken record on it, but Pixel Grips Arena. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I feel like a fanboy. Like, you know, we've reached out to them. Like, we'll mention them on Twitter or whatever. And, and you know, they're young and, and they're really hip and cool. And, you know, I'm a bit older. And, like, so we're coming from kind of two different worlds. But sure. I, I just, fuck, man, I just... I just love their sense of self and everything about them. I feel like on this record, it feels so cohesive from how they present on stage to their online presence. Uh, and then to like the bangers on the record, like, man, like, th- like that record, I go back to it when I just want to fucking jam, you know? <laughs> um, so kudos to them. Love them. Um, Adonis Adonis from Toronto. Yeah, I've Another really band been like, vibing them lately. Yeah, they're killer, and really nice people. Um, but I, like, I'd be a fan if I never met them. I just and their 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 last album is it's insane. It's great, and like, I'm like, how's this? How are both of these bands not huge? Like, I think Pixel Grip. I think both bands like they're just gonna grow, but like. Pixel Grip to me, it's like, oh yeah, they could, they could, they could almost be like the next boy harsher kind of thing. Like there's, there's charm to spare. Yeah, there I think and, that's in the their big, music and they're one of those bands. Is I mean, me doing a music review page and stuff like that. A lot of people will just be like, hey Ken, what are you listening to right now? And and I'll know them and try and pick something that is, I don't know, particular to them that I think they would enjoy. Right. Pixel Grip is one of those where. 
if I don't have anything else per, in mind for them, that is the band I always go to or one of right. them. And no matter who it is, no matter what kind of genre, whatever they're into, nobody can hear that and not be like, oh yeah, dude, this is, yeah. this is fucking sick. And yeah. they just, I don't know, have that mass appeal vibe while being very underground and very independent in their philosophy and, and energy, but you just can't hear it and not feel that it fact. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and they're, they're no, they're, they're no dummies. Like they're not just like a drum machine and someone just, yeah. you know, screaming or something like there's, there's complexity to their songwriting and they really know how to build a song and the frequencies and the arrangements. I think I just, yeah, I think they're really great. And same, Adonis Adonis, I think, are fantastic. And those are two that I really love. Um, I've also been listening to the the two EPs that, uh, or the two albums or EPs that Vitalik put out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets, I think it's, I th- like, I like Vitalik a lot, so I'm giving him some leeway there. I, I think he's kind of revisiting music he's done before and reimagining mm-hmm. some of the songs a little bit. But but it's been a it's been nice to hear new music from from him and so I, I always like that and also um, someone who I met on Twitter I asked them one night late at night hey come play our show in LA and that's Male Tears we just had an interview uh, with James and I absolutely love them they just are super sweet and the music is so good. When I talked to them in their interview, one of the things that like stood out to me is it doesn't feel like somebody my age being nostalgic, kind of doing a throwback 80s sound or something. Right. It sounds like a Gen Zer who'd never heard 80s retro for stumbling upon the same concept on their own. Right, That's right. what I love about male tears, and I hear it is it it just has such a freshness to an idea that is very familiar to me. Yeah, and again, nice people. Yeah, like really nice and um, just sincere and open, and and we had a really nice time in LA together. Um, was really happy to have them on the bill with us. Yeah, and. Um, I don't think it's by accident that you've seen them pop up on a lot of bills and, and I, I wish, I wish them all the success and we've become friends and it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. And in James too, uh, told me they kind of came from a musical family. And so I always, you know, like to see when it's a kind of a tradition passed on like that. Right. So I need to. All right. Oh, it's been such an amount of time. <laughs> talking to you again my friend and it's been too long and I'm so excited for everything that you have going and and you deserve it so much do you have any parting shots one that you want to tell people about what you have coming up like the European tour real quick to kind of say some of like are there festivals around it or anything that you have coming up well okay so in Canada we're doing uh Purple City Festival in Edmonton Ooh. We're doing Terminus Festival in Calgary. That's that all this summer. That's We're doing, huge... uh, yeah, it's fantastic. That's insane. Like, I might have to like mortgage my house or something and go out to that show. That's how that's how big the uh, Terminus bill looks. 
Well, you don't have to. It's Canada. Your money's worth double. Just hop I, on up. <laughs> True. Ride a bicycle across the border. It's easy. Well, you guys are kind of over on the other side of the, uh, I mean, I could get to, you know, Canada pretty quick, but uh, Vancouver is the other side of the world. Vancouver is 11 hours away from Calgary. Yeah. Driving. Um, and then we're doing Cold Waves Festival in New York, in Chicago, and in LA, and so is Leathers, and that's the debut of Leathers at all those festival dates. Oh, wow. Which is insane. I'm like, well. So you're going to be doing two shows uh, on the weekend there. Yeah. I'm not playing letters, though. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. No, I said. If you, then poor you guys Shannon's going to have to do two shows. Yeah. Yeah. You guys go without me. Have fun. And then um, it's looking, it looks like we'll be down in Mexico City in October before, but not 100%. We're still negotiating some finer details. And then we're out to the UK, October. Uh, we're in Paris on Halloween with bootblacks. That's going to be fantastic. That's insane. How cool is that? Yeah. Like, is there something just, you know, you talk about post-punk and minimalist and, and dark band, but there's something, have you played Paris before? There's to me got to be something just sexy about like playing a club on Halloween in Paris. Uh, it probably looks sexier on paper, <laughs> but cause you know, but the, it's cause we're with our friends yeah. and you can't beat that. It's like, that's the most exciting part to me. It's like, Oh, we'll be with boot blacks too. It's like, come on, this rules. Um, but no, it's great. Like you, it's the same thing. Like you, you're visiting these cities that, that people would want to go, go to, to visit. And then you're playing these, you know, these packed shows, it's, it, you got to pinch yourself. And um, yeah, so, and then November, we're all, we're playing a whole whack of shows all through Europe in November. And then, and then maybe I might go on a holiday for a week while I'm over there. I don't know. You know, maybe it's time. To, you know, I, I've talked to this on interviews lately before. I'm going to need you to make a promise to me, pinky swear, yeah, sure. Sure. that once this is all over, you're going to take a couple weeks of Jason time where you don't work on anything. You don't work on right. any music. You know, I mean, if you want, you can pick up your guitar a little for fun. Sure. But I just mean that you put your slippers on, your robe, you hang around the house, and you just take a little time for you, man. That's, um, I already have it in, it's penciled in the calendar, and that's late 2024, early 2025. Maybe, maybe book one in before that. Remember, sure. <laughs> my friend. Um, all right. So we are going to, as is tradition here, spin out to a song by actors. Um, you've heard of them? Cool band, man. Very cool band. Um, what song, if people are going to hear uh, a song off Acts of Worship that for some reason they've been in a closet, I can't believe they'd be on Sounds and Shadows group or podcast and haven't heard of you yet. I talk about it a lot. Um, the one song that you want that to be your first foot forward. I think love, love you more. Yeah. Just to think that opening arpeggiated synth line, it was the, 
genesis of the whole record for me. Yeah. I'm with it. I'm going to follow you on it. This song is called Love You More by actors. For all of you out there in the interweb land, please find these shows. Go and look while you can see now, because before too long, honestly, to go see the actors, you're probably going to end up having to pay like $200 uh, opening for Bauhaus or The Cure or something. Um, that's going to happen before you know it and better for you to go out now and get a chance to see them in a club, share it with your friends and your family and the experience of it. Um, it will make you believe in the modern goth renaissance, uh, post-punk renaissance to go see this band live. This is what people are going to talk about 15 or 20 years and now when they're talking about that one show that I saw it's the actors, it's boot blacks, it's bands like this. Be a part of it while you can. Jason, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Ken. You have a nice night.